Welcome to the All That's Holy Blue Collar Podcast. Thought-provoking interviews with interesting guests and commentary on everything. Food, sports, God, gardening, church, politics, music, movies, comedy, you name it, we talk about it. I'm Cody Stopper. And this is Craig Morton. On this podcast, we talk to writers, teachers, activists, and we seek some wisdom. And as always, we are allergic to big words, but not to big ideas. Profound things will be said, but entirely by accident. That is the first time it's ever. No, I think that's the second time. It's I, I don't remember hearing that before. Yeah, I think robot. that's the second time now I've heard it. But yeah, that's that's pretty new. All right, well, folks, this is Cody Stoffer, and we also have the beloved, faithful, ever-present Craig Morton. Crash <laughs> test, Craig. I was, I was. That was quite a pause. I wasn't sure it was, you're going to retract some of that. So, yes, I'm here. I was waiting for someone to ding me for heresy, but that's all right. We need a heresy <laughs> dinger. That'd be awesome. <laughs> that's a good idea. Yeah. And today we have joining us a friend of mine, someone I got to know in some formative years of my own and probably Kaylee's own. So I'm going to let Kaylee introduce herself. Well. Thanks, Cody. I, I'm Kaylee. I, I went to school with Cody. Uh, my pronouns are she, her, and um, had a very interesting journey since uh, first meeting Cody back way back in college. <laughs> and yeah. uh, lot, lots of things have changed. Um, and I'm sure we'll, we'll get into that uh, on, the, on this episode. So just, just it's it's good to have you, Kaylee. But just so you know, Katie, uh, Cody tends to eat and uh, <laughs> and sometimes barbecue and do other things while we're, we're recording. So, well, normally I like to have a glass of wine, but you guys scheduled this for like too early. It's, <laughs> hey, it's it's five p.m. somewhere. Exactly. <laughs> Where would it be five p.m. right now? Would it be in uh, London? I don't know, maybe. Yeah, London. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Probably. Yeah, have a pint of bitters. I can't yeah. speak in a British accent, so <laughs> I'd try for a glass of wine. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. yeah, I'm a I'm a pastor um, at a church here in Decatur, Georgia, First Christian Church of Decatur. I'm actually running the church this summer because the senior pastor is on sabbatical, so that's uh, awesome. Kind of crazy, <laughs> I think. That's why we senior ministers hire associate ministers so we can take, uh, yeah. <laughs> so i guess that's what i've been doing since i've been in arizona carla my co-pastor has been leading everything and so you know i didn't i didn't really realize that that was the reason she was there so i could get away that doesn't seem right i don't know so well, i've been on sabbatical oh right in time right yeah, in time well, huh? like he he met me and offered me the seminary intern position like the day he met me so it's probably probably <laughs> yeah. looking yeah. for somebody to help out <laughs> yep. we're about six months away yep it's, you're on yep you're in 
Uh, I was gonna say I've been on sabbatical. Unfortunately, I haven't told anybody, and uh, nobody's filling in for me. So, <laughs> so mentally, I'm just not there. Physically, you know, I, my... I get. I guess that's my reality as well. Um, I, it's been it's been over 20 years since I've been a full time pastor. So I guess I'm I'm on I'm on perpetual small sabbaticals. There you go. I have thought about taking a sabbatical here because it has been, let's see, I've been in ministry now since 2006 and no, never have I had a sabbatical. It's 15 years. You probably need a sabbatical. May I weep? May I weep for you? Weep? Yeah, so sad. (laughs) Come on, Craig. This isn't a, a competition. I know. I just, <laughs> I, I just, I, I've never had a sabbatical unless I you know. know. And it's like, Craig, are you one of those type of people who are like, well, I never had it, so you shouldn't have it. No, I'm like, the kind of person who I never had it. I believe you should have it, damn, but I'll okay. remind you about how <laughs> I haven't had it, just to make you feel all the more grateful for your uh, for your station in life. And just a little bit guilty feeling, you know. <laughs> oh, sounds great. like a true boomer right there. Oh, there boom! It. Nailed it. He's a nicer boomer, at least. Actually, uh, actually, uh, I'm 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 still a, a, a tweener. Um, didn't quite get on. Didn't get in on the boom, and I led the way for Gen Xers. So, <laughs> yeah, Craig. This entire run of our podcast has fought against the label of boomer, even though he clearly is a boomer. <laughs> No, I just I just look older than I really am. <laughs> oh, anyway. Yes. So, <laughs> let's talk well, a little about bit those about Phoenix Suns, by the way. Oh, y'all love it. We do talk a little bit of sports, Kaylee. I don't know. I mean, I don't watch basketball. I'll do football. I'll do baseball, but I, I've never been into basketball. So I'm, oh. I'm down here in Tempe, Arizona, Phoenix, yeah, Phoenix mm-hmm. Suns, Arizona Diamondbacks. So I can say, how about them Suns? You know, going to Western Conference playoffs, all that kind of stuff. Just just killing it. Yeah. But They're then you, awesome. like, you can say, how about them Diamondbacks? They have not won in the last 10 <laughs> games. And they don't yeah. lose by one. They lose by nine, you know, so. Dude, gross. Yeah, I, 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 I went and saw a Phoenix Mercury game uh, last week, and that was a really good game. Uh, it was fun to see, uh, but anyway, maybe that's yeah. our sports talk for the day. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, Kaylee, so I have lots of stuff that I want to ask you and you can talk about, but um, it is uh, Pride Month right now, and I wanted to get an opinion of somebody in the LGBTQ community. There, When you see... Okay, so we're just talking about sports, right? So my, my mm-hmm. favorite baseball team is the Blue Jays. And like many other teams, they've now added rainbow flags to their logos and things like that. What is your, what is your take? Is that a nice gesture? Is it, what, does it feel like capitalism running among, amongst it now? Like, okay, we need this now for our target market audiences. And what do you think? Yeah, that's something that's like every... So I came out as trans only about two years ago. So like I'm still new in the LGBTQ community. Uh, and 
like it seems like every the last two Junes that I've actually paid attention, that's that's really something that people talk about is uh, what to do with the capitalism behind it. So for me, there's there's really two parts. There's the companies that are obviously doing it for marketing, and when you look up their history of like who they back politically, and ends up being all these like super conservative anti LGBTQ. Uh, political figures and it's like when I see that I mean that just that sucks and it's stupid and I hate it however there is that flip side of those companies that do that are actually inclusive and they want to let you know that they're inclusive and yes it is a marketing scheme but uh, I mean what's the alternative everything they do is a marketing scheme at least their marketing is telling you that they're don't hate you. <laughs> uh, That's a good point. Especially you. I mean, you bring up sports teams. I, I'm a. I grew up in Oregon. I'm a big 49ers fan. The 49ers are the first uh, major sports team to have a uh, 49ers Pride LGBTQ fan club, and I love it. I love all their. Uh, I love all their merchandise. I really need to buy some because I haven't yet, but. Uh, this just this year they became the first uh franchise to release uh, a line of merch that uh is it's um it's not gendered <laughs> it's, um, sure. so it's yeah so it's it, it <laughs> there's there's aspects of it that are like re- are really cool but there's some that you know that are like really just getting into it for the capitalism um right like Coca-Cola is awful. Um, what is it? Budweiser. Like the, yeah. these companies, these companies put their money into things that are against the LGBTQ community. So that, that does, that, sucks. does that signal though that they're like, because at the same time, like, okay, we want, is it just simply a statement of, but we want your money or is it like, okay, we're, I don't know. Is it almost like, okay, we're growing to the, understanding of this is a part of our you know who we are now i mean because five years ago they wouldn't have done it right i assume Um, but now they are so is it a a signal of some progress even for them um i would like to say yes i'm just not that (laughs) i'm not i'm not that positive when it comes to stuff like that because because like here's the thing like there there is a big there's a big push leading up to june uh, especially in the trans community, to not get caught up in the capitalistic marketing of Pride Month because there's more anti-trans legislature going through gov- state governments right now than has ever right. happened before. And companies aren't putting their money behind supporting trans people. And there's specific these laws are specifically going against trans children. Like... Mm. I, I mean, this is uh, this is a theology podcast, right? When yeah. in well, the history sort of. of sort of whatever we talk about, <laughs> you talk about the Bible every once in a while. But seriously, read your Bible. When 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 is it ever a positive thing? Whenever a government specifically targets the safety of children, <laughs> like that, you're not on the wrong side. <laughs> you're on the side of you're on the side of Egypt and on the side of Herod. Like that's, 
seriously what's going on. If you're targeting the safety of children, you're not on the right side of the story. That, I think that's really fascinating. I like that. Unpack that a little bit more. I, because when you when you mentioned about the Bible and, and safety of children, I immediately went to to Egypt and to and to Herod, and that, I, I get yeah. that. Um, what what do you see happening, or what do you see the pressures are on on trans kids? You know, what is their experience, and what are some of those areas of vulnerability? So, I I mean, I'm going to have to be honest. My experience as a trans kid myself, being so closeted and everything, um, my experience was different. I don't, uh, I don't completely understand the experience of kids growing up nowadays because there's more acceptance of trans people just in general. And wh whenever I was a kid, uh, I remember being like five and thinking that I, that I wanted to be a girl, that I should have been a girl. Um, but holding that in and not bringing it up because of the culture of the time, like if I would have said anything, I, that would have been, <laughs> that, that would not have ended well for me. Right. There's more acceptance now. A lot more younger kids are spe speaking up saying, hey, my body, this gender that uh, people are telling me that I have doesn't align with what I, uh, what I feel. And there's a more acceptance in the world. However, the on the flip side of that, because there's more acceptance, there's more eyes on it. There's a lot more pressure from people who are against tra uh, trans people existing. Um, so it's it is completely different than like when I was a kid. So I can't really say that I understand the experience of what kids are going through now. What I can say, oh, good. Oh, go ahead. No, 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 no you're fine. Or <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to hear what you can say. Um, <laughs> what I can say is the targeting of trans children in areas of sports, medicine, these, uh, these are all about suppressing trans people and making them feel like they're not accepted. Because if, you're, if you actually care about women's sports then your focus shouldn't be on how do we keep trans kids out it should be on how should we focus identifying gender dysphoria in children before they go through puberty because p children that come out before they start puberty they don't go through the wrong puberty you don't end up with somebody that's me i'm a six foot wom woman and uh i still have arm muscles because i haven't been on hormones that long like, uh, the, if, if we're actually caring about, if we actually cared about the sports, we would actually take measures to ensure that the best outcome for all participants is coming. And yeah. the fact that we're focusing on restricting in, instead of like actually helping kids means the focus isn't actually on the kids. The right. focus is, is ostracizing a portion of the demographic that you don't want existing. Yeah. And so that's, my, that's my, I was going to jump in. Oh, but <laughs> my, my sports world is limited. You know, well, it's primarily track and field, which has been the place where excluding trans kids from competition has been that that's been the focus. And it's really, mm -hmm. um, it's hard to, it's hard to hear the conversation 
uh, from people who are really ignorant about a number of the details discuss mm -hmm. this. Um, yeah. And then, and then having on um, the teams that I've coached, you know, kids who identify trans or have, um, you know, been dealing with those struggles and those those kids can't speak up and say, well, yeah, that, I'm, I'm one of those. Don't, don't say that about mm -hmm. me. Instead, they fade into the background and, you know, they, they remain isolated and they feel like they can't be a part of the, the larger athletic community. Yeah. Uh, and all those things mm -hmm. that sports can do for, for uh, youth development, um, the, the, the trans kid is kind of taken out of that. And it's so hard to, to see that struggle mm -hmm. and it's so hard to tell other people hey don't don't be afraid of that kid what i hear you saying uh kaylee is let's look at those kids even earlier not mm -hmm. you know because i'm working with high school kids and teenagers let's look at kids earlier and help them begin navigating that a lot sooner uh, but yeah. if we can't talk about it we can't even begin that yeah. and we need to talk about it because there's i mean honestly the research behind trans people is just not, it's not where it needs to be. And part of that is the fact that we're not opening up the conversation to actually discuss the harder topics. Okay. And like, you know, I talk about identifying gender dysphoria in, in younger children and understanding it. There's a very significant part of the people that are taking part in this in the political conversation they're gonna take words like that out of context and say, oh, she just wants, she just wants all kids to um, be gender fluid or whatever. And it, no, the, the fact of the matter is, is trans people exist. Most trans people know that they don't, they're not fitting into the right gender when they're children. Being able to understand that and work through that and having the resources and the understanding with, with parents, with doctors, with the entire social community can help children actually uh, grow into the person that, that they should be instead of teaching them to repress who they are until they either, <laughs> they either grow up and figure it out and transition on their own um, or, you know, they, uh, deal with depression their entire lives and are suicidal. I mean, right. uh, yeah. But tra trans uh, trans people are forty four forty four percent of trans people have been suicidal. Oh, wow. That's so much higher than any other demographic. And people will look at that and say, "Yeah, of course," because you know it's a mental condition. They uh, are sick in some way. Well. Sure, that could be an explanation, but it's also an ex could be an explanation that they're not living their authentic self in public. They have a society that is telling them that they're wrong, that what they're doing is sinful and evil, that they don't fit in. They can't use a public restroom. Like uh, there's there's significant social pressures going on, and the thing is, once people transition and are through the process, they're depression and suicide rates are on par with cisgendered het people. Like, it, and 
it's just <laughs> when you when you look at it that way like if we had a more accepting just if we accepted people a little bit better in our culture that would bring down suicide rates in trans people like hands down it's it's simply that easy and but the fact is is whenever it comes to accepting somebody as trans as who they are the um ideology that people have to push against that and have to you know make sure they say what they believe and it would be sinful to accept them like seriously you are literally contributing to people wanting to die getting uh getting away from you it in the form of dying is better than putting up with what you're doing to me right now like people are going through that that's this is what (laughs) this is what a trans person goes through when they're suicidal. Like literally it is better for them to die than to put up with the society that's around them. And and I would think the society almost reinforces that message. Yes. It's better for you to go away. Uh, We, 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 we want to ignore this. We want to say it's your problem, whatever it is. And then society sometimes just seems willing to pay that price, which is horrific. Yeah. 100%. that's what I was uh, <clears throat> wanting to say is you talk about like in many ways, definitely more accepting today. Like it's definitely, you know, it feels more acceptance. There's people putting, you know, all this kind of stuff. And yet I don't remember in my lifetime. Um, it's like, a, it's so weird in between time because yes, it is definitely more accepting like mm-hmm. a lot of society. And yet the opposition has never been so, loud and vocal and like i don't Mm -hmm. there were not these bills and laws being debated and argued when i was growing up you know those didn't exist those Mm -hmm. weren't around um and so it's like there's been more laws in the last uh, since the beginning of this year than the last decade combined right and so i guess that's it's almost like some people say it like it's like um they compare it to you know death death throws death death rattle you know like this we know that it's almost we're almost there mm-hmm. because the opposition is so loud and vocal and grasp, you know, it's grasping. It's on its last death. Uh, but does, I don't know. Do you, does it feel that way or is that, it? That sounds like, hopeful, but, yeah, it's but Right. Is that, just, is that just a hopeful spin or? I mean, so I, I do think that's true. Um, I, I, I do think that we're more on that cusp of overcoming uh, that type of, you know, social conscious of like the last, the last of the people are, are holding on, but uh, it's about to go away. I hope so. The problem is, is whenever we're at this most vocal time is also one of the most dangerous times because um, I mean, especially, especially lately, whenever conservatives have been taught that they can uh, storm storm the Capitol building in an attempt for an, for a coup and nothing happens to them. Uh, like there is this sense that you can fight and kill for the things that you believe are true, however messed up they are. Like yeah. that because you have some sense of morality that you can carry these things out. Look, we are on track for the most deadly year for trans people, especially trans people of color, and especially in the South. There has been, if, uh, 
if we keep on the track that we're at, we're going to beat last year's number, which set, set the record for most, uh, most trans people murdered in a year. Uh, oh, wow. It's going to beat it by like 20% or something like that. It's, I mean, it's ridiculous. You, we, I, get, I get that it is the last hanging on, but it's also that last struggle of people holding on. And oh. honestly, that's, that's dangerous. <laughs> like it's, it's not, uh, it's really not safe out there. I mean, <laughs> I live, I live in Atlanta, uh, which is in the South. I live in a suburb that's the most, uh, progressive suburb. Like I'm safe here <laughs> where, where I'm at. Uh, I leave what's called, um, uh, what's that called? The perimeter. Um, there's a freeway system that does a circle around the city. I go outside the perimeter, especially go like north or something, you know, outside of the city limits. That's a, that's a different story. Like I, it's, it's scary. <laughs> like it's, it's full of very conservative religious white people that uh, I don't feel safe around. Um, I mean, and that's just, that's just the fact of the matter that, that there's a, general demographic of political people that live in more rural areas that are feeling justified to carry out acts based off of what they believe to be moral. And um, yeah, it's just, it's a dangerous time. So yes, Cody, to answer your question, like I do feel like it's the last struggle before things change in a more permanent way. But that's also scary because there's, yeah. The corner, like the cornered, uh, you know, wounded uh, bear or something like that, or, you know, yeah. Mm. Kaylee, is it okay if we get to hear a little bit about some of your personal story? Sure. What do you want to know? (laughs) Okay. You mentioned when you were younger that you, you know, remember wanting to be um, a girl and mm-hmm. not what you were assigned at, at birth so mm-hmm. that is that first I'm always learning the new uh words is that the correct way to phrase it yeah. or what was I okay so I, I was assigned male at birth um okay and then I was I was socialized male which means I was raised to be a boy um I went through a, I went through a male pu- puberty um all of that stuff <laughs> so yeah yeah when was it like so since you knew from such a very young age when were you like the most certain growing up like this is not not right or does it come and go were there phases where it came and went of the so that feeling part of part of growing up so conservative and where it was it's like i i just i didn't have the language to express what i felt about myself um Everything that was taught to me about gender and sexuality was only ever framed in the idea of, well, normal or gay. Like, honestly, it's, it's not even straight or gay. Uh, like, it was normal and gay. Um, and, I mean, I remember Lion King coming out and people commenting on the fact that kids shouldn't watch it because Elton John was gay and Elton John did all the music. Um, and, and so like, 
I don't know. I don't remember how young I was at that age, but I was pretty young. And, you know, things like that get internalized. I, I learned at a very young age to act outside of being a boy was uh, to come across as gay. Um, and because that was the only context I had. So even at like the age of five, uh, I, I was specifically looking at things to make sure I didn't do something in a feminine way. Uh. Um, I remember one of my friends, I was like, like in the second grade, he's making some kind of joke. And he told me that I was walking like a girl. I have literally thought about the way that I walk um, the rest, like the entirety of my life because wow. I was so scared that the way I was walking would come off as feminine and then I would come off as gay. Uh-huh. And remember, <laughs> you know, conservative religious background, if you're gay, uh, one, you're, you're not going to be accepted by your family. You're not going to be accepted by God. You're going to go to hell. Like <laughs> be, being gay just really isn't an option. And that was just the framework. That was the framework I had. And so uh, whenever, whenever I was in my thirties and I started to actually learn the difference between gender and sexuality and I actually started to get language for the things that I was feeling and things made a lot more sense and it's like now <laughs> now I'm going through like remembering things that happened to me when I was a kid and how I framed it as a kid and justified like acting one way or the other that it was really a coping mechanism to really hide the fact that I didn't feel like I had the right body and I was doing my hardest to be that straight cis boy. And so that's just, yeah, it was, it's, it was hard. I mean, that's, that that was 30, 32 years of repressing who I was. So one of the things that I think is, for me, it's hard to, to imagine is the, this idea of not being at home in, in your body. It's, and I, I don't know if that's a, the, the piece of it, but it feels like you, the, the person you feel like you are when you, you know, would look at yourself in the mirror, you go, that's, it's almost like saying that's, that's not who I am. Is there, is, is that correct? Is there kind of a separation between kind of that, uh, external perception and an identity and this internal and and those two things are like in constant conflict so I mean that's that's one way to look at it but I, you know again like I said I I didn't have the language right so you know like I would look in the mirror and I would just never be happy like with however I looked it, it didn't matter um be because that's just you know, I would look in the mirror. I wasn't happy. I didn't like what I was looking back at me. Mm-hmm. Um, the first time, the first time that I actually like put on clothes and felt happy with the way I looked was literally uh, October 10th of this last year. I know it because that was the first time I ever presented female in public. Wow. And I did my hair, I did my makeup, I put on uh, 
feminine clothes that match my body and um, still very like early in transition. Like that was the first time that I looked in the mirror and was excited to actually go outside. And I didn't realize how much of a feeling of like, or I mean, it's, it's, it's what trans people call gender euphoria whenever you actually present in your right gender and everything feels right for the first time that's gender euphoria it's like the opposite of gender dysphoria um but like that was something i wanted my entire life i remember growing up and getting excited for easter because easter meant that uh, like my mom was super like crafty and stuff she would make my sister uh, these these Easter dresses like every year I'd always get super excited about Easter and the fact that people are dressing up come Easter morning you know button up shirt nice pants I hated it um, like just hated the entire experience and I just assumed the entirety of my life that I just didn't like dressing up and you know that's what I told people I don't like dressing fancy all of this stuff no, it's actually not it. I was so excited for the fact for the opportunity to dress up. Uh, it just wasn't the right dress up. <laughs> wow, wow. That's Kaylee. When we first met, you were um, you. It was uh, long hair, was dark. Su- yeah, I was super gothic. Whenever yeah, we met, chains. Yep. Do you, looking back at some of your, you know, I, I don't know what you'd call it, but uh, moments like that where, where some of that, like, I'm wrestling with what I look like, who I am. Um, how many choices do you think when you go back were based on like, okay, maybe this is who I, you know, am and what I'm looking for. So you, you served in the military, for example, for a, a good long time. Um, any of those decisions, were any of those based on, okay, this is, can you link back to this wrestle wrestling you were doing? Um, so, so the Gothic thing, like I, I loved just, just in Gothic, it, it matched the music that I listened to. It matched my friends. Um, yeah, I, I really liked it. I liked being able to dress in a non-conforming way, especially we met in Idaho where <laughs> there was, you know, not, not too many Gothic people. Um, so like I think regardless if I was going to go through a gothic phase (laughs) like even even if I was you know raised female um gothic phase was going to come uh but uh if if you've ever you know looked at gothic clothing like it it was especially at that time it's very limited at what men could wear and then like women had these huge different types of wardrobes that they could do they had gothic dresses you know gothic punk like mini skirts with these leggings and um i was so jealous platforms i I was so jealous of all of their clothes options like (laughs) yeah uh yeah and that's something like i i obviously wouldn't have told anybody (laughs) i mean i was uh but yeah, I was mean, super, super jealous of all of the options they had. And they were so much better than what, you know, Gothic boys had. 
Um, now that now that you're kind of publicly more open about it, are you going to revisit that uh, phase now that you can maybe try some of those? Um, that wardrobe? You know, I thought about it. Uh, right now, I'm in that it's the South. It's really hot. I need to buy like five <laughs> sundresses. Um, <laughs> that's where I'm at at the moment. Like something light. Maybe a floral print or something. <laughs> is, is, there, is there a floral print gothic sundress? Black uh, roses. Or like, uh, yeah, ah. I mean, yeah, you can, I'm sure there probably is. <laughs> sounds like a great product line. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and okay, and then and then the service in the military. What the decision there? I mean, so I I, I don't know. I just automatically thought of that because you're like, what can I do that is more, you know. <laughs> masculine and presents and shows that I'm, you know, not, I'm not female. If somebody's going to talk about the way I walk, well, I'm going to go even further and serve in the military, which is very, or, you know. Uh, yeah, the military, it wasn't that at all. Uh, like I'm as, <laughs> I'm as millennial as they come, like right in the middle of millennial age. Uh, but that means I've lived through three recessions and you know, I, grad I graduated college in the middle of a recession. I moved to a small town in Illinois to try to get my master's. And had, I got married before, like six months before I graduated college. So newly married, small town in Illinois. Uh, there, there were no options to, <laughs> to support a family. Uh, so that's where, that's where the military came from was just the fact married oh and also had a kid uh, had a had a young kid like uh my wife and I we we had our first kid a year and a month after uh after we got married so like I just I had to do something um yeah, and especially something that would you know provide for health care and things like that so yeah. that's yeah. what the military <laughs> that's what the military was uh I I realized that I was trans um, during the Trump era and uh, not necessarily the best time to be in the military and, and have your egg crack. Um, but I, uh, yeah, I started, <laughs> I started uh, uh, hormone treatment three days after my, um, after I left the military. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So. I knew I was getting out. I set up the appointment. And, yeah. What did there, was there anyone in your military community that kind of, that you were open with and, and could tell about, or was it like, nope, walls all around? Um, there were, there were people I could have told. There was, um, I told one person while I was in the military um she was her she had worked in San Francisco and her job was literally to uh issue uh, drag queens would um pay her to do their makeup and stuff before shows and stuff which drag and trans is is different <laughs> but um she was a she was a very open type person and um, I ended up, I told her, but as far as anybody else in the military, I didn't tell anyone. Um, and it's not like it's, it's not like anything bad would happen if I told anybody. Uh, it's just, you know, I couldn't do anything about it. You can tell people all you want, but it, it 
doesn't matter. They're going to, you know, they're not changing your paperwork. They're not giving you a different uniform. They don't relax your, you know, hair standards. <laughs> like nothing changes. Like, it's like good for you. Um, get back to work. <laughs> um, <laughs> but mostly it was just like so early that uh, it's so early in, in like working through that process to understand who I was that wasn't quite ready to share uh, with people yet. So that, that was mostly what held me back. Um, my two best friends are actually, uh, they're still in the military and I honestly should have told them sooner. Um, and I almost did on a couple occasions, but didn't for different reasons. Yeah. Okay. So as you've let people, you know, as you've kind of been more and more open, um, what has been the hardest, uh, I don't know, relationship to open up to? I mean, so I'm thinking you just told us you, you know, you've been married, you have a wife, mm -hmm. um, how did that conversation go? Like how, like, what was that like? And what does it mean? Like if we can get super personal, you don't have to, if you don't want to, but like, <laughs> what does it mean for the rest of your relationship from here on out? Um, so I, I don't want to go too much like into my wife. Cause that's, I mean, that's her story. Um, it, it's a combined story, but you know, she's not here to share it. Um, uh, I will say that things were very rough <laughs> whenever I first came out we weren't on the same uh we didn't have the same understanding of what was going on for the first little bit which made it meant that we were communicating but we weren't actually talking about the same thing and we didn't get on the same page for a few months later and so we, we had some really hard conversations and the, the first few months they were incredibly rough and it got better uh we've we've become a lot more open we've given us ourselves permission that no matter how we think the other person is going to take what we uh, what we're going to say we need to say it so it's out there and sometimes that means that what we're about to say is probably going to hurt the other person but the other person needs to know this is where i'm at right now i need to work through it because we are choosing to stay together. So that means feeling the emotions that come with this process and letting those emotions get out because holding them in is just gonna, it's, it's gonna repress everything even more. And, you know, uh, what I can say is between me and my wife, we have a better relationship now than what, we, what we've ever had. It's a lot more open. We understand each other a lot more. Um, in in the words of Samantha Allen, <laughs> we have we have a true uh, we have a true queer relationship where uh, there's there's a level of fusion between us where we know what the, like what the other person's thinking and the amount of times that we say the exact same thing at the exact same time and like make some of the most obscure like references to tv shows but we'll say it at the exact same time like we, our relationship is at like a level that it it was never gonna get at before um so that's, that's what i'll say about my my relationship cool. with my wife that's good yeah I, something about being open and honest huh yeah you know 
something about that. I hear it's a good thing. <laughs> awesome. But as far as other relationships go, um, friends have been great. Uh, I apparently curated a really solid group of friends that have been more than welcoming and have some, said some of the most encouraging things. And as soon as I told them I was trans, they've not had an issue with uh, gendering me, like using my pronouns, things like, well, okay, people mess up because <laughs> they, they've known me for years and used he, him, and but they at least recognize it and they change it and not a single issue with, um, with my close friends. The hardest thing is uh, family, honestly. Yep. Um, like I said, I came from a very conservative background. As you might think, conservative family doesn't generally accept their trans family member. And so that, I mean, that one's been hard that we've had that, we've had a struggle with that on both mine and my wife's side of the family. Um, a lot of victim blaming for different things. Like the one that gets thrown at me the most is why would, how can you do this? Uh, why don't you care about the kids and what they're going to go through? And it's like, are you, are you serious? Like you're going to blame me because uh, other people are, might have an issue. Like, seriously, this is victim blaming. <laughs> like this is, this is your daughter came to you saying she got raped and you asked her what she was wearing. Like, this is, this is what's going on whenever, whenever you're pulling crap like that. Like, it's just, it's unfair. And it's, it's not even, it's not even a reflection of reality. Right. And even like the reverse, I mean, so they're wanting to bring that up, you know, what about the kids? Well, what about kids who grow up with a parent who is lying about who they are and that, how that boils over onto them? Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, there, yeah, there's a lot there. I mean, what it really comes down to is they, they just don't really want to accept that their understanding of gender, which they've never thought about, um, the only understanding that they have comes from finding people that already align with their presupposition. They find them and repeat what they say back. Like, there's no, there's no actual, I, I've not yet had an actual positive dialogue where, uh, where what I say is like taken serious because it doesn't line up with what they what they already believe and line up with people that they agree with and i've literally been told even spending hours telling my story of change just changing my understanding of lgbtq acceptance in the church because i wasn't i didn't accept lgbtq people in the church up until like four years ago now so like I, that was an entire process. I spent years, like uh, I spent a couple of years looking into this and studying it. And uh, just to be told that all of that work that I did uh, doesn't matter because I obviously wanted to come to that conclusion because I wanted to be trans. Like seriously, I'm gonna spend two years justifying 
uh, just find something about myself that is going to exile me from the rest of my family. <laughs> right. Like that just doesn't make sense. And you know, it's hard. Um, and yeah, I'm not quite sure what more to what more to say on that. It's so, just, yeah. well, kind of on that note, maybe on the other side of it. I mean, there's there's been very difficult relationships, you know, or some some heartbreak. Yet, has there mm-hmm. been some unexpected, surprising support that maybe you weren't anticipating? Um. The- trying to think of unexpected there's been uh there there's been people where i wasn't sure how they would react and then they've reacted positively um like like i said my friends from the military my they're two they're 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 married now um and i set them up (laughs) they were they were my two best friends uh but she was dating another person as soon as they broke up uh, like I was, I was getting them together, <laughs> um, but the, I mean, they're, they're super good together. So, I mean, but just yeah. the ease by two best friends, I can hang out yeah, with them. I know. Both. Right. That's <laughs> easy. I mean, it kind of helps like, uh, they're also like my wife's two best friends from my from oh, the military. Nice. So like we would, you know, we're having a game night, you each to the individuals, you should come. And then just only have the those two well it's a it's a four player game so we can't invite other people <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah they, these were my two best friends and uh because i had just got out of the military they actually both got training to in um they they moved <laughs> across the united states and so uh, we actually told them over zoom um and I, I didn't know, like, we hadn't, especially with my friend, that's a guy, uh, we never really talked about LGBTQ acceptance. I kind I knew where my friend, that is, is the woman, I, I knew that where she was for the most part, but never talked about trans because, you know, the T is at the end of LGBT for a reason. <laughs> there's, there's plenty of people that like to cut it off. Uh, the so I like I wasn't hundred percent sure, and like honestly, their response was probably the most positive because uh, when I told them my friend that is the guy, his re- his response like straight out was, "Oh man, that means I'm outnumbered now," <laughs> and it just it was just perfect because you know, like it was just so normalized and okay and like that was probably it's probably my favorite response to coming out um i've had a couple other um people where i'll i'll tell them after uh after finding out that they're supportive or like after they come out as you know being gay or bi or something and i've told a couple people like that um but really there's never been like a i don't think that I don't think they're going to accept this. And then I tell them and they're like, do they're like, nobody's actually, um, nobody's actually blown my mind, I guess in that way. Did you, were there, have there been any, uh, ch- I know you're with this church community in Atlanta now, but along the mm-hmm. way, any other church communities where 
you didn't feel support? This one seems like they were like, yeah, we're behind you 100% when you began to let them know. But, yeah. So um, th things kind of lined up really good for, for me because I started, um, I started transitioning last April, but we moved in June to Atlanta. So I didn't tell nobody in the church that I used to go to knew. Um, it was a pandemic, so I wasn't seeing them anyways. Uh, and then we moved two months after I started transitioning, which uh, hormones take a long time to have like any physical changes. So like, no, no, nobody knew. Um, but we got to Atlanta and. Uh, we ran in a place, we hated it, we had to get out of it, uh, we had super negative experiences. So we got another place that we now own that's in Decatur, which is, like I said, it's the most progressive suburb of, of Atlanta. It's right next to Midtown. If you know anything about Atlanta, then these, these names mean something. Um, in that, like, we ended up moving just about a month after the first time that I presented female in public. Um, and yeah, so I moved and I didn't ever go back to dressing male. Um, but still like I, I met this church because they, um, they were doing a Christmas tree sale and we had, down, we had downsized our cars to only having one car because of the pandemic. We're not gonna fit a Christmas tree in, um, in our car, but the church is two blocks away. I can, I, we can carry a, a four foot Christmas tree two blocks. Right? <laughs> and so, that's, so we went to, to this church and it was First Christian Church of Decatur, Disciples of Christ, um, open and affirming on their sign outside uh, and we got a tree. Um, it was still a pandemic, so like we weren't going to go to church. Uh, a few weeks later, we see a sign on, uh, there's this park right next to the church, and it was a community cleanup day. Went, you know what? We're not doing anything. We'll do a community cleanup. The park is also owned by the church. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. They, they actually have a park for kids, and this is downtown Decatur. Um, oh, sweet. So we showed up to help. Uh, to help with this um, cleanup and the pastor was there and started talking and uh, yeah, he literally offered for me to be the seminary intern. <laughs> while talking about um, and uh, I, I mean, I, I agreed to do it just, I, I needed to get my internship done. And I was like, you know what? Pandemic, not going to find another church that's just offering it. Literally uh, fell right in your lap. Uh, yeah, wow. uh, I'm running out of time to get this this thing done, so uh, I might as well say yes. Um, <laughs> and like, I'll, I'll be I'll be honest. Uh, as as soon as I said that I would do it, he signed me up to. Um, he put me on the schedule for the Sunday service to do a prayer and meditation thing. I had no idea that was coming, and I'm. You know, I'm like, what, uh, nine months into transitioning, like, um, 
my hair, my hair was probably about three inches shorter. <laughs> uh, and, um, you know, my boobs were smaller, you know, all these things. I was not, I, 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 I look much more feminine now than I did then. And a lot of times I still feel like I don't look feminine. Um, but he, he's putting me on the spot uh, to take part in this uh, church service. And, uh, and it was I, online. Right. Well, it was, on, it was online. Yeah. So like it's out for anybody, like anybody can yeah. go and see it. And <laughs> yeah, I had two, I had two nervous breakdowns leading up to that. Um, just freaking out about presenting female online, you know, like huge stuff actually going on uh, whenever, um, whenever you're going through this and like, it's a church. Like, even if the pastor is this, accepting person we have no idea how the people are in the church like right. i had no idea what's right. coming um, right so i was i was freaking out <laughs> like all over the place i understand people, that oh, wow. yeah uh but yeah I, I went i i i did the prayer there was about uh, five people in their congregation um all like these older women every single person uh, gendered me correctly um it was amazing i then i went through like the process of becoming the intern which meant i had to meet with like the personnel committee had to meet with the elders and then the congregation and like every single person was just super supportive um cool. everybody you know everybody used my pronouns uh like nobody nobody even blinked an eye at the at the fact that I was like, I'm obviously trans. You, you like, <laughs> this is a podcast. And so like everybody listening to me is like, I don't understand why this person keeps saying they're a woman <laughs> because my voice is like super deep and stuff. Like I, I get the fact that I'm not, you know, quote passing at the moment, but there's actually people out there that will look past that and recognize you for who you are. And when you're in that type of community, it's just amazing. Like, it's, there, there's really no way to explain it uh, other than just being grateful that, like, people like that exist. That's, it's, it's, um, I mean, it's, it's encouraging. It's refreshing to hear. Um, you know, one of the things that's uh, such a challenge is, uh, somebody's own kind of spiritual life journey, and then the church experience, the people, the the the, the social interaction, the culture of the church. Sometimes those are at such it's you know they they pull apart and they're at such they're in such conflict mm -hmm. that the spiritual journey turns not only away from the church as a social group, but also spiritual community away from you know um i don't want to say kind of a you know not atheism but just a church just isn't a thing anymore god's not a thing anymore and it moves away from that as being an active part of one's one's life um how has this church helped you in your you know understanding god the you know your your kind of theological pilgrimage you know those kinds of things so I mean, this church, the, the disciples of Christ, they're non-creedal. So like 
there's no set of beliefs that everybody has to uh, align with which is fun because um i'll go (laughs) like i'll go sit down with the pastor and be like you know what i know this says love the lord your god with all your heart mind and soul uh i don't think that there actually is a soul in people i think we're just cognitive beings and god is able to interact with that and then we have that discussion and it's like uh you know something yeah something like that like it's uh it's been great to just be able to be like this is what i'm thinking right now and be able to actually have that conversation um i've been given plenty of opportunity to just share where i'm at um because I have a different perspective now than I did before. I am, I'm learning to, I'm learning to shed the bad theology that I was given. And I still catch myself thinking of thing, things in terms of like the evangelical vocabulary that I was given and I have to work through that. And I don't think, like, I, I didn't realize how much of some of the terminology that we use is actually steeped in white supremacy and the way that we pray to God and ask God for things is so like it comes from such a place of privilege um being part of this church because they're more traditional they have liturgy the prayers aren't some like you know person gets up there and just says whatever uh cliche thing that they want to say for them it's like people that are giving prayers are writing them down. They're thinking through it. So I actually, I created a process of reflecting on every word that I'm saying in a prayer and uh, asking this, this line, does it reflect where I'm at? Does it reflect where somebody else is going to be at? Is it going to reflect where a homeless person is at? Is it going to reflect what a person, where a person of color is at? If I write a prayer saying, Lord, forgive me for being political, too political this season, is that actually fair? Because we still have systemic racism that people of color are still trying to work through and being political is something that they need to have equality. So if I'm saying that I'm sorry for being too political because, you know, I like that's not a prayer that everybody needs to hear because my issue isn't the fact that I'm being too political. My issue is actually the fact that I'm ostracizing others and hating others. And that I can focus on the, right. my, my reaction to other people. But because I grew up in this place of privilege, I'm able to say, you know, Lord, forgive me for being political. And it's such, just such a reduction of what I, it actually means to be Christian. Like, Seriously, if if you're not, you know, standing up for people that are oppressed, you know, for the outsiders, for the orphans, the widows, like, you know, the people that the Bible actually tells you to care about, <laughs> the foreigners, like, seriously, it's in the Bible. Like, these are the people you reflect loving Jesus and being a sheep by, you know, taking care of the foreigner. <laughs> like, these are political subjects and i don't think we should be uh, apologizing because we do something political we should be apologizing if what we're doing is being hateful towards others we should be apologizing if 
we are putting our faith in a political system over putting our faith in what the kingdom of God should look like. Those are things that we can, you know, apologize for, but being reducing it to this catch all that, uh, that you're only able to come from whenever you have a place of place of privilege. Like if I don't do anything political as a white person, not much is going to affect me. Like, you know, if I don't do something, nothing changes, nothing's going to change for me, but there are people where things need to change. And so being able, you know, just being able to reflect on just because I was taught to say something one way, does not mean that it reflects the faith of the rest of of the rest of the community, and it doesn't reflect what people actually need. Mm. So. Uh, okay, Haley, <laughs> I think you mentioned to me yesterday or maybe the day before that you need to take your kids somewhere to the pool. So, yeah, they, they have a swimming lesson. I still have time. The pool is okay. Just a just a few minutes away. So. Okay, I just uh, want to. Wait, got a little bit so, of time. Cody. <laughs> Cody, we need to make sure we keep track of uh, five questions. Oh, yeah. Well, do you want to, we could probably, actually, okay, here's what I wanted to ask, Kaylee, because we've covered a lot of ground already, but we haven't even really, you did a little bit there in that, we haven't really even touched the the Bible yet. Would Mm -hmm. you be willing to come back next week and talk just Bible with us about in in the Old Testament? I mean, I, I would love that. <laughs> uh, so that's Kaylee. Yeah, that's a uh, Kaylee's uh, seminary degree is in Old Testament. Old Testament. So. Uh, I'll I'll do a little. If if you want me to come back on next week, I'll do a little teaser. <laughs> uh, LGBTQ people are upheld, affirmed, and loved in the creation story. Ooh, well, oh, hello. there we go. Any, okay, yeah, you got to be oh, on next. I'm week. not done yet. Oh! Any reading, any reading that leaves them out is bad hermeneutics. Woo! Now, when you say creation story, you go with one and two, one through three. Uh, I'm talking one. Uh, okay, oh, Genesis, just one. All right. What yeah. are you talking about? Genesis two and three is uh, is a temple narrative. Come on! Very I'm, good. Gotta I love it. You gotta understand awesome. your genres. There we go. All right. <laughs> so Genesis two is not a creation story. That's we awesome. We can get into it because Genesis two okay. is like upheld as God ordaining marriage. There's not a wedding in the freaking story. And it's like, not even. And it's not even about that. Yeah, no, it's, it's not, not about that. It's no. about the equality of men and women in the worship of God in the garden. <laughs> like, Ooh, I love it. I doing? love it. I love wow. I love the Hebrew for, but in Genesis too, I love the Hebrew for the the creation of the uh, helper, which is also the same word for savior uh, mm-hmm. in Hebrew, right. is yes. not from a part of the of, of um, the human creature. It's from the side, which means like to me, the whole mm-hmm. half. Yeah. You know, it's 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 not a subsidiary. It's not a subordinate. It, it's it's the whole thing. There, there was actually there was actually a line of rabbinic teaching that thought that Adam was androgynous and wasn't gendered male and female until God cut him. Oh, yeah. Cut, it, yeah. cut him in half. It's, so it's, it's really the earth creature. It's, it's yeah. the dirt creature. Yeah. yeah. Dirt. Dirt clod. 
I love it. Pod person. Yeah. Okay, yeah, you're yeah, you're that 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 next week. We don't have time to do okay. this. <laughs> that's a great oh, yeah, teaser. That's, that's a great okay, teaser. Okay. All right. So, okay. Do we want to do the five questions today or next week? Do let's get them in. Let's there? get them in now, and uh, okay. we can do revisions do next week. I'll, I'll <laughs> okay. okay. Them next week, I'm sure. <laughs> All right. So yeah, we have five questions we ask every guest, and it's the same five for every guest when we close up. So here they are. Number one, Haley, what are you reading? It could be a book. Um, it could be a journal. It could be a blog that you want to recommend to everybody. An essay, okay. an article. Um, I, I gotta. So I never read one thing at a time. Well, I did just. I, I did just finish reading. Um, trans. Transforming. Um, what is it called? It's by Austin Hark. Uh, he he's a trans Christian the, theologian. The book is awesome. If you, like honestly, if you want a trans Christian one on one. And that is going to ruin next week's podcast because I steal a lot of ideas from him. Uh, go read that book. Look, look it up. Uh, Austin Hark. It's, it's like transforming uh, and the, tran the trans transgender person in the Bible. I don't know. Look it up. Google search. You'll find it. Austin Hark. <laughs> Austin Hark. Uh, okay. uh, I'm also reading Church 2 by Emily Joy. And if you want to know the follies of purity culture, in which that would be, I need to have a podcast where I only talk about purity culture as a trans person, because um, it'll mess you up. Uh, but yeah, church, <laughs> it's hashtag church to uh, Emily Joy. It's, it'll, man, it'll leave you, it'll leave you crying because uh, mm. there's so much harm that the church has done trying to teach purity culture and right. yeah uh and then a fun read is i'm uh, i'm reading the second book in the 100 series <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> yeah so that's what i'm reading that's good it's uh, nice to okay. have a little something different yeah yeah yep. yeah yep, yep, yep. i like it okay uh next question what are you listening to so it can be music you want to share new music old music it could be a podcast that you check out or listen to so what i've been listening to is uh it's, a, it's an artist the artist is it similar um and the yeah. person is grace baldridge uh, i'm listening to both albums preacher's kid and thank God for that. And yeah. it has been amazing. It oh. is a Christian album about what it's like to be a queer Christian. And uh, there, there's some songs that, there, the song, thank God for that, has like total uh, like church youth camp vibes. Right. That just like <laughs> shouting. Uh, uh, yeah, it's it's amazing. But like there's, there's some lines in it that are, that, will seriously get you like the end of thank god for that ends with um you'll be okay uh please believe that my darkest nights i still woke up intact when the teacher said i loved you i didn't hear a but but the powerful still found one who would write the laws about what's what um but it was never up to them it's not their story to tell they're just mad you learned your name. 
and then something they can't spell. Mm. Like, just amazing. Like, and being a trans person, um, I'm not actually changing, <laughs> I'm not changing much in, in my name, but like changing your name is like this, is really a huge deal. Um, takes a lot of thought and it's really a recognition of stepping in to who you are and rec- and as a Christian, that means stepping into who God has created you to be. And just to have that reflected in a song and saying, like, you learned your name and all these other people that don't accept it, it's something that they can't spell. And yeah, I, wow. I love that line. That's, That's great. Yeah. And, and that was, uh, the album was number one on the Christian It was, for it was number yeah, one yeah. album on Christian iTunes. Crazy. Oh, that's cool. Uh, okay. What are you watching? So it could be what your stream, you know, what your, uh, um, uh, what's the word, uh, binging on Netflix or maybe a documentary that you want to watch a YouTube channel that you want to recommend anything like that. Right, so we're on question three. I got, I promise you, not everything that I do is LGBTQ related, but <laughs> what I'm watching right now is Umbrella Academy. <laughs> yeah, all right. Seriously, watching, watching season two, because uh, I'm late to, I finally have time to watch it because um, school and working at church did not have much time to watch, watch shows. Watching season two, knowing that Elliot Page is trans and already in transition while he's filming, like it's, it's amazing. I, I love it. Um, cool. And the story, the story is really good. Uh, I, and I'm gonna, yeah. This, the story is awesome. There's a reason why it, it, when it comes out, it's number one on Netflix. Oh yeah. Yep. It's good stuff. All right. Kaylee, what are you drinking? So, What's your like go-to drink or what uh, like what's your favorite beverage maybe to make sure you have enough of on stock or what are you literally drinking right now? If you've got something you're drinking right now. So, so literally through this podcast, I've been drinking Trader Joe's uh, watermelon lemonade water. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But outside of that, um, when I'm drinking something fun, we'll go to a brewery or something, uh, Atlanta has them all over the place. Um, I've shared a few times, the first time that I presented female in public, I went to a brewery. Uh, wow. I went to Anderby Ander Brewery, that's uh, kind of north, northish Atlanta. And uh, yeah, that was the first place I went. That was the first place where um, a stranger gendered me correctly. And that was amazing. Um, Cause there's a new bartender uh, who, re- like we we'd gone enough that uh and it was small enough at the time that like the people it's it's always the same people and we'd go and we would go you know once a week or once every other week but still because it's a small enough place you know we're coming in with two kids like we stand out anyways and, and also i started going there when i was presented male um and it's the place i started presenting female and so like <laughs> they're always like they've they've been privy to this process and but they hired a new bartender first time he's ever been there while we were there and um the, the person came another bartender came up behind him to ask uh what we were ordering 
because she was helping out and she was going to pour me, uh, pour the drink for me. And he turned and said, she ordered, and I don't remember the order, but yeah. uh, <laughs> that was, uh, like, I almost broke down crying right there because it was, yeah, it's the first time that um, somebody, a stranger that didn't know me gendered me correctly. That's awesome. Wow. That's Yay, breweries. Yeah. Good job, breweries. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Um, and last question, number five. Craig and I, we show up in Decatur, Georgia, on your doorstep. Where are you taking us to eat? Uh, where am I taking you to eat? <sighs> um, do you like Indian food? I don't think there's a food that we don't like. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. If you had a choice between wings and Indian food, what would you choose? Uh, that's a tough choice. I a would choose Indian meal. food. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Both appetizers, wings, and then... Is, it, is this a Friday? Because my wife and I do a thing called Fat Fridays where we'll order a second meal if we want to. <laughs> uh, so yeah, there's a place um, right on the edge of downtown. It's literally across the church that I work at two blocks from my house. Uh, it's called Chai Pani. Um, going there and eating might not work because they don't have any indoor seating at the moment still. Um, or we're going to Wheelhouse where we're going to get wings. We're going to sample, uh, we're going to sample some whiskey and uh, oh, yeah. have a great time. <laughs> that's that's probably yeah. the one. I think the beverage of choice <laughs> on my low carb <laughs> diet, uh, whiskey oh, yeah. there. So. That's right. You can have whiskey. All so right. My, oh, I'm ex- like, oh, good. Oh, I was going to say my, my wife is actually the whiskey drinker. Huh. <laughs> she, she has a, she has a collection and yeah. So. Wow. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I might have some stuff to learn cause I'm still new. At it, but, uh. Yeah. Mm, that's awesome. Okay, cool. I'm excited for next week and uh, looking forward to it we're gonna hear we're gonna do a bible deep dive and hear that some, sounds some really awesome cool stuff so all right all right sounds good i look forward to it kaylee it's been okay. great to meet you yeah it's been great meeting you too hey i didn't even think about it but it's cody craig kaylee it's all we got the the, the uh the cut the, the, onom- <laughs> yeah. the alliteration of sound go, alliteration that's the word <laughs> <laughs> excellent all righty all right I'll see y'all next week and we'll get this, uh, you know, uh, out as soon as I can. (laughs) Sans editing. I think everything was okay. So I don't know. I think so. So, All right. And then. I did uh, make a comment about boobs at one point, but. (laughs) uh, I I, I don't know that we've ever said that, but that's fine. (laughs) Oh, I was going to make a joke. Only one comment on boobs. Only one comment. We're fine. Only. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, but Craig is right. We've never talked about boobs and now we've just said it three times (laughs) (laughs) okay make sure to type that up in the notes that might be the headline (laughs) of the title all righty all righty title name title name these things are real (laughs) (laughs) love it all right that's a good one i like that all right (laughs) we'll see you next week adios Adios. Craig, send me the send me the recordings or whatever. I'll do that. Yeah, it's, okay. it it'll it'll be it'll, we'll, we'll we'll work that out. Yep. Okay. All right. <laughs> See you Alrighty. later. Bye bye. Bye.
Thanks for joining Cody Stauffer and me, Craig Morton, for this podcast. We simply try to record and upload without much editing. What you get is live conversation with all its ignorance and insight, wisdom and foolishness, sometimes more of one than the other, and occasionally profound things will be said, but entirely by accident. Make sure to follow us on Facebook at the All That's Holy Blue Collar Podcast. We'd love to hear from you, so leave a comment. And look for upcoming Facebook Live podcasts where you can interact with our guests. Also, we can be found on Twitter as at All That's Holy. Our intro and outro music is by At The Speed Of Darkness. Support At The Speed Of Darkness on Bandcamp and buy his music there as well as follow him on Instagram at at the speed of darkness.